all right once again welcome god bless you and i'm gonna ask if you will please share please share um what i was saying a second ago um is that i do find that the more that i read and study the different books of the bible i find out you know what i love this stuff I am looking at the book of Philippians with a little more clarity, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Something new is supposed to come every time that you read and study the Bible. So before we go into the lesson, let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your greatness. We thank you for your word. We ask that you will bless us in this session, that you will give us, Lord God, clarity of speech, and that you will give us, Lord God, the words of wisdom, and that you even give us the rhema of the scripture, even the prophecy. Lord God, the words of wisdom, let it all come forth in the name of Jesus. Bless every hearer. And even more, reward the doers. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this week we're in lesson number one of the winter quarter. So let me start by explaining. I have both down there, Elder Simpson and then also myself. And as you can see, uh, it's me. Let me just tell you, I got so caught up in the holidays that I got behind on ordering the books and so I don't have our books yet so uh, we are just going through the scriptures as we have found out where the lesson is at now I will say this my husband is not here but he is here so he's very thorough and he is not one to uh, come unprepared that's the way he is about the gospel and we make no apologies for that. So, um, but what I did, as he is up there studying even right now, is I grabbed his notes. So, what I am going to be presenting is, God bless you, is actually coming from his studies. And it is opening my heart. So, listen, this is good stuff. So, grab your Bible. If you have your Sunday school book, Grab your Sunday school book. We are in the book of Philippians, chapter number one, and it's going to be verses number one, 12 through 26. And we have a topic to live is Christ. That seems to say everything, but you really have to get the context out of it. Um, what Paul means and you will get that not just by what the way he explains it a lot of times you get the context of what someone uh, is trying to convey by the way they explain it but we are going to uh, understand it and grasp the context by what Paul actually is going to demonstrate what he's living all right so to live is Christ now this is one of the prison epistles For those who may not know, this is one of the prison epistles, and we're going to read some of that. Uh, This one was written by Paul, of course, God bless you, Lady Thurman, Mother Wilson. Please share so that people on your network, uh, in your network, will also be able to see this lesson. This particular book was written while Paul was in a prison, in a Roman prison, and he was under house arrest. And then he 
made some decisions that probably, and we'll have to find out, ended his life. Now, this was written, or this this is the church at Philippi. That's the way they did it then. They wrote letters and or, and they sent it by someone, or it would be a message that was given by God, and they would go and they would give that message to that church because it was inspired by God for that particular church for that season. Now, that was just the way that they did it in those days. And uh, we do find out that later on, we do find out that there were some that stood in the way of the gospel actually being preached and taught to the church's messages that were inspired. It's in the book of uh, 1 John where uh, there were some that I don't, for whatever reason, but this letter did get through and it was written to the church at Philippi. So Philippi was founded by Paul. It was a church that he established. So Paul was an evangelist. And when I was growing up, I thought evangelists were women and elders were men. But come to find out, elders are speaking of the aged or those that are seasoned and those that are experienced and hopefully those that have gained and retained knowledge that they can pass to younger ones. But he was an evangelist. And as an evangelist, Paul planted churches. So, and and, and it's not for everybody to just go set up a church and put a you know, sign out and then begin to beat a drum, put out commercials, marketing, and all kinds of reasons for you to come over to that church. It should still be going on church planting and um, extending the gospel to other areas is a mandate of God. So here's a church in Philippi, the place of Philippi, and that's why uh, the church, the letter is uh, called the epistle of Paul to the Philippians, those at Philippi. Uh, It was written in 50 AD. Okay. That was a, a time when Paul was doing a lot of work, a lot of ministry, He was going through a lot of things. We're going to read about all of that. And uh, the um, church was established in 50 AD, but uh, this letter goes out in 60 AD. And we're going to find that uh, there, 60 AD, um, there were some things going on with Paul, and then some things happened, and Rome ended up being burned down. So let's get into the lesson. So I just wanted to give you a a little bit of background. Now, my husband would have laid a greater foundation than that. But at any rate, as I say, his name is up there because I am using his notes along with what we are going to be studying. Now, my prayer is that God bless you, evangelist or elder Lasonia Moore. Now, my prayer is that these words will be sealed in your heart and in your spirit and that you will take and be faithful to take this out to others who shall be able to teach others. And God will set up a platform for you. He will open a door. He will prepare a way. Now, remember, sometimes some will stand in the way. Remember what happened when the even the angel of God was coming to answer Daniel's 
prayer. The Prince of Persia, which was a demonic entity in that region of Persia, which is over in Iran area, he stood in the way and hindered the angel of the Lord from getting that word to Daniel, the answer to his prayer. And so what God simply did was send a more powerful angel. So if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you don't have um, yourself built up in your most holy faith, then you're going to need more authority. So God sends a more authoritative um, being to overthrow the prince of Persia and deal with that. And after he dealt with that, he told Daniel, he said, now the prince of Greece is coming next, meaning that that Persian empire was going to be overthrown by the Greek empire. This is all in the Revelation. So anyway, I can go into that, but it wouldn't make sense at this juncture. So anyway, Paul is in arrest. So he's under arrest as he's writing this letter. He's in prison in Rome. Now, he was there for nothing wrong that he did. And I'm going to read that. Matter of fact, uh, Philippians chapter 1. And and the lesson starts at 12. I don't have my book, so I'm reading from the scriptures. Um, Now, a lot of times my husband will uh, study it in different translations, and I'll read that. So chapter number 1 and verse number 12, um, and the superscription uh, is Paul glories in his affliction. And he said that. He said, I glory in my affliction because I know that when I am in affliction, put this in your heart and lock it in there, seal it in your mind, especially if you're in affliction right now. He said, when I am in affliction, I know that the spirit of God is resting on me. So this is uh, one of those times. Now, resting on him for what? If he's in prison, you know, he's not out preaching well. He is under house arrest. So he's able to have visitors. He himself just isn't able to just go out and, you know, do the evangelizing and the preaching and the teaching, the itinerant preaching and teaching he had been doing, but he could have visitors. So he had some there and he was sharing some things with them. And then he wrote the letter. Now, again, the church was established in 50 AD, but this letter and this arrest, this house arrest that Paul was under occurs in 60 AD. So 10 years after the church was written and he had been there, you know, for the reason or the purpose to appeal to Caesar. And you'll have to come back tomorrow for the end of it because my husband's upstairs still studying and writing the end of this, but I'm going to give you what we have. All right. So he is there and he is in prison, but he's speaking. He had called the brethren to where he was under house arrest and he gave them, he spoke these things to them and then he writes the letter and the letter goes out. Hence, we have the book of Philippians, okay? In chapter number one, verse number 12, it says, Paul glories in his afflictions. Again, that's the superscription, which is the heading 
over these verses. Verse number 12 is where the lesson starts. It says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So this is where uh, Paul was telling them, you know, don't be ashamed of me and don't feel like, you know, I'm some type of a victim because I am in this prison or this uh, restricted situation. Don't, don't be ashamed. Like, you know, I'm suffering and, you know, I've done something wrong. No, I'm not a criminal. This is being done because I had been preaching the gospel and it is going to go out, but he's letting them know that it was for the furtherance of the gospel and for the praise of God. What, how is that so? Because they find that Paul is under a heavy anointing. Remember, he said that the power of God rests on me when I am in affliction. So Paul was under a heavy anointing and under this anointing and this time of being set aside, which is another way of being sanctified. God was giving him revelation, knowledge. He was imparting to him uh, rhema, words of wisdom, and words that were necessary to address what was going on and the people of God there at the church in Philippi. But the power of God was resting on him and the gospel was going out. That's why he says that the word of God could not be bound. So God still made a way to get his word out, even with the battle that he went through. Now, the the thing that you want to look at is that Paul went through this thing and he took it. He took it. He did not get to a place where he threw in the towel. He got angry. He ran off. He just dismissed himself from the ministry. He took it. Sometimes you have to take some hard things in order for the gospel to get out. You you know, it's not that, you know, you are less than anybody else or, you know, you're inferior in any way. But look at yourself. If you have found yourself under affliction, under injustice or abuse or misuse, um, bullying, because this was all unjust. He hadn't done anything wrong. So it was all unjust. But he took it. He took it. So, you know, to, if, if they beat you, so to speak, uh, psychologically, uh, emotionally, take it, take it, take it. The power of God is resting on you. And when God uh, can use an individual in that capacity, you get a heavy anointing, you get a clear word, and you get a reward. Let him deal with the others that did these things to Paul. So anyway, uh, in verse number 13, the next verse of the lesson, now he does have a note here. Um, And so again, my husband, so I'm going to read this. And this is in the New Living Translation Study Bible, which is one of my favorites. I love the Living Bible the most because of the way it speaks. But this one is my second favorite, the New Living Translation. And these are the words. He says, Paul ministers to the Jews. And it says he's ministering to the Jews there in Rome. Remember, he's in a Roman prison or he's actually under house arrest in Rome. Knowing these things is 
if you just listen, these things will get down in your spirit. They will be there when you get ready to teach. The Holy Ghost will call them to your remembrance. So just listen to what's being said. So he was preaching and ministering to the Jews that were in Rome. Now, this can be found in the book of Acts, chapter number 28, uh, verses 16 through 20. So, you know, just so that you don't get used to just somebody saying, oh, go over there and read it yourself. It, it only takes a second. And so, 6, 28. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and read it. 28. And take note, take note where this is written at. This is in the 28th chapter of Acts. So, think for a moment. When you get to Acts chapter 28, it seems to end abruptly. It doesn't seem to close out. There's definitely no uh, closing comments. You know, like you get the salutation at the end, and uh, I mean, sorry, at the beginning, and then you get your complimentary close. You don't have that. So take note of that, and we'll get back to that point. But this is in the 28th chapter of Acts, verses 16 through 20. And they read as, oh, that's chapter 27. All right, and really, that's almost the end of the book. So you can understand what's going on at that point. So verse number 16 says, and the superscription says, arrival in Rome. Here's what, here's what the verses say. It says, and when he came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with the soldier that kept him. So the others had been delivered over or given over to the captain of the guard there, but Paul had been kept back. All right. So with that, with that other soldier and it says 17, and it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they, uh, the Jews were come together, when they were come together, he said unto them, men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or the customs of our father, was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, but there was no cause of death in me. In verse number 19, and when the Jews spake against it, that he was going to be let go. So when they spake against it, uh, I was constrained. So they held him again because people are complaining, do something about him. You can't just let him go. So he said um, to appeal, he was constrained to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had ought or any reason to accuse any of my nation. So I'm not blaming my brother for anything. They haven't done nothing wrong. They haven't given me over to the Romans. They haven't given me over to be arrested. So I have no fault with them. But uh, when they wanted to let me go because they had no reason to kill me, uh, there were complaints and I was being held back. So obviously that's what happened when they let all the other prisoners go and Paul was still being held. Now, when Paul is... Uh, in this situation, well, he's a Roman citizen, and Roman citizens had exclusive rights and certain privileges above 
every other nationality. And, and then he was in Rome. And they escorted them, etc., etc. So Paul, knowing his rights, appealed to Caesar. And verse number 19 says, He appealed to Caesar, not that I had anything against my people. In other words, the Jews. Verse number, nine, verse number 20, For this cause have I called for you. So that's why I sent for you to come. I wanted you to know what was going on for you to see and to speak with you. I wanted you to see what's going on and I wanted to speak with you because for that the hope of Israel am I bound with this chain. For the hope of Israel. Right? Um, Remember how uh, there was that that um, servant, Anna, um, that was in the and for the hope, or the scripture actually says the consolation of Israel. Um, Who was it? I can't remember the name. But anyway, he did not, he asked the Lord to let him live until he could see with his own eyes in his age status. He wanted to see the consolation of Israel. Did you finish it, Elder Simpson? They know that you're doing the writing. I've already told them that you're doing the writing. They know. They know how you... Anyway, um, it was for the consolation of Israel. But Paul says, okay, this is a stagehand handing me his name. Elder Simpson. He's handing me the next uh, couple of verses. (laughs) But listen, he's going to teach this lesson because it's in the spirit. So... I'm going to teach you so much today, and then I want you to come back tomorrow at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and we're going to get the bottom line out of this. So anyway, he says, that's why I'm in prison, for the hope of Israel. That's the whole reason. Nothing you've done wrong, nothing I've done wrong. It is so that because I've been furthering the gospel and the gospel is out, is, is getting out, even though I'm in prison, the gospel is still circulating and people are still getting saved. So it's for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, that was verses, one, that was verses 16 through 20. Now, uh, it says when he arrived there. So anyway, he called them together. All right, so that's what he was explaining in his New Living Translation. Now he goes to verse number 13. So verse number 13. And take notes. Learn, learn. Eat this up. Let your soul be fed. Let your spirit just, just be nourished with this word. So verse number 13 in the lesson, which means I have to turn back to Philippians. Yeah. Okay, so verse number 13 says... So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all places. So Paul was pretty notorious before he got saved um, for, you know, holding up uh, the law and holding up the Jewish traditions and all of all, everything that went with Judaism, everything that went with that before the coming of Christ. So he was notorious about that. So Paul had no small name. I mean, even uh, uh, before his 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 um, persecutions, before he even started wreaking havoc um, there uh, against the Christians, Paul was 
very well known because he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. So he had a reputation of being a very intelligent, uh, highly educated individual steeped in the law. He was zealous. He had zeal, but he didn't have the word, the wisdom. He was committed completely, but he lacked understanding on the things that had changed, the changes that had come when Jesus gave his life. So Paul had a reputation. That's why he's saying here in verse number 13, so my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. So they know that this same Paul that used to be Saul is now um, preaching the gospel of Jesus and they've got him in prison. (laughs) All right, verse number 13. And many of the brethren, and many of the, the brethren in the Lord waxing confident, meaning they were, you know, the, the flow of confidence was pumping and surging in them. So they were waxing confident by my bonds. And what would, what's that mean? They weren't getting frightened and intimidated and backing off and taking down and giving up their integrity and, you know, um, just turning uh, their 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 um, hearts from what they had been told was right, but they were getting more confident. Yeah, this gospel is getting out. People are getting saved. The devil is mad. He is fighting against us for no reason, no wrong. We have this gospel. We have um, this treasure in earthen vessels, and we have this so great salvation. We know about this thing that wasn't done in a corner. Um, we ha- our hands have handled, and we have tasted of the word of God, and they were waxing strong. That confidence was flowing and surging in them. So he said they began to get confident by my bonds. And they are getting much more boldness to speak the word. You know, I'm not, you know, hey, <laughs> you, you will not take this gospel out of my mouth. You know, that's what the Lord told you, um, Joshua. Only be strong and very courageous and, and do not let this word, um, you know, escape you. Don't let, you know, the word of God um, escape you. So this is the way that they were getting. And um, uh, he's got a couple of notes here, which I like to read his notes. Um, It says, Paul's boldness uh, was courageous in the Lord and contagious. In the Lord, he preached the good news of the kingdom of God. What good news, he said, he asked. He says that Christ is risen. He preached that this same Jesus whom you have crucified, you remember Peter preached that, preached that. The same Jesus whom ye have crucified has God raised him up and has made him both Lord and Christ. And he has become the chief cornerstone, the head of the church. So They were preaching this great gospel, this good news. Now, the New Living Translation, and I'm going to read it for you, but it's in Timothy, 2 Timothy, if you're taking notes, 2 Timothy, verse number, chapter number 2, so 2 Timothy, chapter number 2, 
and verses 8 through 10. I'm going to read it for you in the New Living Translation. It says, always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news that I preach. So there you have it. He's saying that I'm preaching the news that Christ is risen. All right. So that's where he mentions it in 2 Timothy 2 and 8 through 10. Now that was verse number 8. Verse number 9 says this, and because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal and have been chained like a criminal, but the word of God cannot be changed changed. So you know what? They got me all tied up, wrapped up and tangled up. But you know, God has provided a way for the gospel to get out. He has opened another door so that it will not be stopped altogether. And this is what the people needed at that time. Remember this letter was written to the church at Philippi. They needed this word and they needed it at that time. You know, the scripture says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Not just a word, but the word for the moment at the time that it is needed. God is very precise. The Bible says that his word is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder the soul from the spirit, the joint from the His word has precision, not just precision to speak to exactly what the need is and exactly what the answer and the solution is or whatever exact directive is needed, but he speaks it at precisely the specific instance that it is needed. Now, if they don't want it, the Bible says when he sent them out, he he gave them this instruction. He said, if you go anywhere and they don't want it, if they, you know, reject you and they don't want this, you have been through all kinds of whatever, to get to them and to get this gospel, to suffer, to get this word and commitment for God to speak to you. And then you get there to deliver it. And if they don't want it, he said, shake the dust off your feet. They're not even worth it. They're not worth it. Shake the dust off your feet, but find who is worthy. That means some people can put themselves in the position of being unworthy worthy to get the word of life. You've got to understand that this is a powerful, very powerful message that Paul is working to get through to the church, even to this day. And we need to live by it. That was verse number nine, verse number 10. And I'm still reading New Living Translation. 2 Timothy 2 and 8 through 10. God bless you, Deborah. Um, Ananias. Yeah. Why, why couldn't I think of that? Was it Ananias? Or was it, who was in the temple? Who was in the temple? He was saying, Lord, um, you know, don't let me die until I see 
the consolation of Israel. Ananias, uh, Lady Thurman, was the one that Paul ended up being taken by the hand and led when he was blinded. But somebody, go back and get that and put that up there for me. It was, you know, just look up consolation of Israel because now it's messing with me. Okay, so here here we are. All right, so verse number 10, it says, so I am willing to endure anything. This is, this topic is called to live is Christ. He says in verse number 10, New Living Translation. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. That is commitment, purpose, and, you know, that is a powerful um, mindset. It's selfless, and it was for the glory of God. I will do it for the glory of God. I will do anything for the glory of God. Not for me to get glory, but for God to be glorified and for those that are lost to be saved. If somebody can get saved out of this, I will do it. And you remember what he said. He said, I became all things to all people to the weak. I became weak to the Jew. I became Jew. He talked about that. In other words, I I was mindful not to bypass them or elevate myself above them or be beneath them or not try to reach them where they were. And he said, I became all things to all people so that by all means I may gain some. This is heavy. So uh, you got to love the word of God. If you don't love the word of God, then, you know, you're going to, uh, you're going to miss a lot. You're going to miss a lot of benefits. What do we have here? I knew this lady was here. God bless you, Mims. God bless you. You know, there's so much to this lesson. It looks like I'm not going to finish it. (laughs) But um, here's the way it's going to go. I'm going to go only so long. And maybe another another 10, 15 minutes at the most. So take your notes and be... uh, Put this word... He said, hide it in your heart. God will increase. God will illuminate. God will bless. God will use you if you have it there. And he will reward you because you are going to the lengths you're able to go to to make sure that God gets the glory, like Paul is saying here, and so that souls can be saved. All right? Verse, okay, so that was verse number 10. All right, so we're back in the lesson. Back in the lesson now, we're at at verse number 15. It says, here's a good one. You've heard this before. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy, you know, and, and he said, and some also of goodwill or with pure motives. Now he tells Titus, and I'm going to go there, Titus 1 and 10 and 11. I'm just going to put this out here for somebody on the other side of the world that is going to take this. You know, Paul went to Macedonia and only one person got saved. 
And the angels did rejoice because Jesus did indeed shed his blood for that one precious soul. So in Titus, okay, Titus chapter number one, come on, right behind you. There it is. Titus chapter number one and verses 10 and 11. And they read as follows. It says, for there are, for there are many truly vain talkers, deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, vain talkers and deceivers, people out speaking worthless things. That's what, that's what vain means, worthless. They're doing a whole lot of worthless talking. There are a lot of people out there doing vain, worthless talking, and they're using deception. Why? For their benefit. So it can work out for their benefit in some way. So he says in, for in, in Titus 1 and 10, for there, there are many unruly, vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Okay, and then verse number 11, whose mouths, this is heavy, must be stopped, who subvert whole houses. They just turn whole households and whole houses and households sometimes can be, you know, churches or uh, entire movements or organizations. He said they subvert whole houses, teaching them that uh, they ought not for the, teaching them the things that they should not, and they're doing it for the sake of filthy lucre. So, sellouts. I'm going to say this. Money, 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 is the lowest form of wealth. (laughs) I am going to have a whole lot of people disagreeing with me about that. Money is the lowest form of wealth. The Bible does say money answers all things, you know, because the exchange, the barter, um, opportunities, but it's not going to buy salvation. It's not going to deliver um, those that are in bondage, um, demonic forces. Uh, I've seen many wealthy people, and I work in hospital as a chaplain, wealthy people on their deathbed. I've seen this. So it answers all things, but not all things, okay? So, um, but people will sell them, you know, they will sell out. They will turn all kinds of people in the wrong direction for the sake of filthy lucre and money is the lowest form of wealth. You know, if they're turning and subverting whole households, then... That simply means that they are destitute, as the scripture says, destitute of the truth. I think it's Timothy as well. I will find it for you. But destitute, they are poor. They, when it comes down to truth, you know, the gospel truth, they are broke. They are so impoverished that you know they are just almost in a hopeless all right let me go back into our lesson but he says some indeed preach christ of envy 
and strife or they preach out of rivalry you know you hit me and I got the mic so I'm gonna tell you off just throwing shade in the name of in the name of the Lord on other people's time people come there wounded coming um, broken they're coming out of desperation to hear the word and you're wasting their time and God's precious oxygen to throw shade and to hurt and to, you know, be abusive, bully pulpit. This is what Paul is saying. They're preaching uh, the gospel. He said they, they're for envy and strife. That's just how wicked and wild this, this, this is getting because, and, and this has obviously been going on for over 2,000 years because Paul is writing about it. And so Timothy uh, is being warned. So Paul's warned Timothy. He has also warned Titus of these things and the status that they are in. Now, we have actually 10 more verses to go. There is no way. And we're going to get through that in the next 15 minutes. Now, but what I will do is, uh, nobody found the scripture for me? Okay, I'll have it tomorrow. <laughs> I'll have it because it's, it's bothering me. Who it was in that temple that said, Lord, I want to see the consolation of Israel. And I can't do that because we're taping the podcast. And by the way, those of you that are listening to the podcast, come on over to the YouTube channel, which is Reset Forever Ministries on YouTube. And hey, everybody that has not yet... Uh, subscribe. Go ahead and subscribe. We're almost at our first thousand uh, subscribers. So please go ahead and subscribe. All right, listen, here's what I'm going to do because this is fascinating to me and it's blowing me away. So I'm at verse number 16 and there are 26 verses. So we're going to start tomorrow with verse number 16 and uh, Elder Simpson will be here with us. Because, you know, we like to go back and forth. And I think it's conveyed better when we do it that way. So, thank you for joining. And thank you for listening. Take your notes. Come back tomorrow, if you can, at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we'll conclude this lesson together. We'll get these last 10 verses in. And, you know, I talk a lot. So, I do a lot of adding in. It's not at living because these are the scriptures. This is what the Bible is teaching and telling us. So come back tomorrow at um, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we will conclude the lesson. Okay, other than that, I always like to remind you to be sure that you join us on Monday. We are working through the seven spirits of God as... They are listed in the book of the Revelation, chapter 1 and 3, chapter 3, verse 4, and chapter 5, verse 6. And then they are delineated in the book of Isaiah's prophecy, chapter number 11, verse number 2. All right, so we've gone through the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding and now as of this week we have begun the verse uh, that talks about or we've begun the uh, spirit of counsel all right 
other than that, look for us tomorrow so we can finish this lesson. God bless you and uh, be sure to subscribe and definitely uh, click like, share, and be blessed in Jesus' name.